April 4th, 1986. The Maiden Voyage into Space by the Challenger. Uh, April 4th, 1973. Official dedication of the World Trade Center. Uh, April 4th, 1968. Martin Luther King is assassinated. Uh, April 4th, 1925. In Germany, the founding of the SS under Adolf. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And we have a very, very special guest, one of our favorites, uh, joining us all the way from Los Angeles. Uh, Rachel Weeks, everyone. Hey, thanks for having me back, guys. Thank you for being here. Um, We are taking the opportunity offered to us by self-isolation to reach out to a few people who we've loved having on but have since moved away. Uh, So we're glad you can be here. I'm psyched. I love this. It's like now that nobody's local, everybody is. Yeah, it's you know. Yeah, there's it's a way bigger pool of people. I'm like, oh shit, I forgot to message them a, a few days ago. Yeah, <laughs> it would be. It's wild to think about what this would be like if it happened like twenty five years ago, even. Yeah. Where like you just didn't have internet or technology, and you couldn't go to Blockbuster. Or whatever the fuck. <laughs> it would be the a nightmare. Thing. I feel like Blockbuster would get raided. Like things, there would be a lot more theft and like craziness involved. Oh, like, yeah. what are you supposed to do? Yeah, yeah. The, they Ooh. would not have survived. They didn't. They didn't. Eventually, survive anyway. they died anyway. Yeah. Yes. I mean, As we all must. Yeah. <laughs> Just One day Neopets, even... Neopets crashing over and over again. Oh no, <laughs> <the> Neopets. <laughs> Not even the not even the on brand Tamagotchi. It's only like fifteen years ago, I guess. Yeah. But. Uh, so if you're a new listener to this show, the premise is uh, each, or I should say, every other week, we discuss a person or event from history. One person gives the sort of official government-sanctioned account of that person or event, um, and another person creates uh, an alternate version. That is as crazy, batshit, bananas, bonkers as that person wants it to be or doesn't want it to be. If they want to be very dry, that's also allowed. Um, <laughs> I don't make think we've history had that. more boring. Yeah, like, I mean, that is technically not forbidden. You could, uh, you could just change their life so they didn't do anything interesting ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's nothing in the rule book that says that. Uh, last time we discussed uh, the central figure of Hidden Figures, whose name momentarily escapes me. Brian, what was her name again? Dorothy Vaughn. Dorothy Vaughn, yes. Uh, did we get a ruling on what one in the end? We did, and it is uh, very close. But the, um, the alternate history has, uh, has won out. Sorry, I was just pulling up the poll now because I forgot to. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like 1.30 in the afternoon. Not the a time we typically history, do this. Uh, which I wrote, which involved Dorothy Vaughn creating an invisibility suit, being the basis for James Bond, and eventually becoming Bilbo Baggins <laughs> <laughs> and retiring on the moon. Uh, that is oh that is gosh. the winner. Um, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, and we are continuing our episodes on the space race on rocket science this week. 
I didn't say the thing. Usually I say whatever uh, whatever wins the uh, vote becomes the, the actual history of this brilliant blue spinning uh, luminescent marble we call the Earth going it's forward. Canon. Yeah, it is historically canon. All history books are rewritten. <laughs> um, uh, Brian, what are we covering this week? Uh, this week we are talking about uh, Sputnik. Uh, right, Sputnik. I always forget on the weeks where I don't have to write or research anything yeah. <laughs> because I'm like, I don't have to know what we're talking about beforehand. <laughs> I just have to show up this time. Perfect. Like, I know you probably weren't. I picture you saying that while just ripping from a giant skull bong. <laughs> uh, well, you can see me, so I was clearly not. But yes. uh, had I had a skull bong, uh, perhaps so. Maybe I'll get one of those Dan Aykroyd vodka bottles and like <laughs> make it into a skull bong <laughs> somehow. Perfect. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um, well, Rachel, you will be doing the uh, actual history. Uh-huh. And uh, I've got some kind of alternate uh, ready to go, just trying to play down expectations. <laughs> oh, no. You made Sputnik more boring? Well, that's the thing, because, like, usually, like, in picking a topic, it's m- much easier to go with, like, a person than yep. just, like, a thing that happened. Um, but you know, there'll cool be a couple if- of these in here, so... <laughs> It's cool if, like, Sputnik was secretly a superhero who went to go retire on the moon. Like, that's, we can... That is not that far off, but whenever you're ready, take it away. We did it. All right. Um, On October 4th, 1957, the Soviets kicked off the space race with the famous Sputnik. In true Russian style, Sputnik got its name from the Russian word for uh, satellite. A satellite one, they called it. It's very romantic. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We're launching the first artificial Earth satellite into space. We're breaking ground and the atmosphere for the first time. What should we call her? (laughs) Our crowning achievement, our life's work. I don't know. It's a satellite. (laughs) Call it a fucking satellite. Sorry. No. One of the things I read said that, like, in other contexts, the word Sputnik also means, like, spouse. Yeah. Or, like, traveling it's, partner or whatever. It's more likely to me that they were just like, I don't know, it's a satellite. Yeah. <laughs> so, by that logic, does Laika just mean dog or dog that we're about <laughs> to hope, kill? I hope so. <laughs> I couldn't find a translation on Laika, but... um. But uh, Sputnik orbited for just three weeks before its battery died. Uh, you can play nobody was you can tell nobody was playing uh, Pokemon Go up there, or it wouldn't have made it a day. Hmm. Uh, but <laughs> pretty good, pretty good joke. Uh, <laughs> but, I was the first one to get to that gym up there in like Earth orbit. So pretty big, yeah. You had a Pokemon up there forever. <laughs> I. Uh, I actually work near the um, I work near the crash site for where Paul Walker died. Oh. That was like where my office is, and uh, it is a Pokemon Go gym. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a real fact. It has nothing to do with Sputnik, but yikes! <laughs> <laughs> what city of angels? Oh my god, it's crazy. Does Pokemon uh, Go gyms? I've never played a Pokemon Go gym. Do they have like proper gym leaders that are constantly at the gym location? 
No, you like leave stuff there. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I've been leaving haunters. I was hoping that Paul Walker was <laughs> the gym was the gym leader. Oh my god, and that would be so good. I don't know what type. Uh, I guess he would be like car type. Yeah. <laughs> he was in Tammy and the T Rex. Maybe he could pick all the dinosaur type Pokemon. <laughs> I uh, he, what is Tammy the T Rex? Tammy and the T Rex is a movie <laughs> from the '90s starring Denise Richards and Paul Walker, in which a mad scientist puts Paul Walker, who has a crush on Denise Richards' brain, into a giant uh, robotic T-Rex. And... He had a crush on a robot T-Rex? The 90s were a great time. Well, he had a crush on Denise Richards. Right. And she who had becomes, a crush on him. Who becomes she a still robot. Likes him. She still likes him once he's a T-Rex. Oh, he's a T-Rex. <laughs> yeah, his uh... brain is... He's murdered, essentially, and his brain is put into a T-Rex. So it's like a RoboCop situation. It. And the movie ends with his brain in a jar in Denise Richards' house and she does a strip tease for him and electro uh, like static sparks shoot out of the brain jar and it's clear that he's coming from watching her <laughs> oh my god from watching That's, her strip tease is this on shutter right now it I is on shutter right now yes I assume this is the year alternate history for Sputnik <laughs> it is well, now. <laughs> if you want to watch Sammy and the T-Rex the gore edit you can sign into Shutter with the code shut in, which will give you 30 free days, and then you can cancel it. But Tammy and the T-Rex is on there. Oh my God. Perfect. I thought you guys had a Shutter sponsorship. I was like, oh hell yeah. That'd be <laughs> I wish. <laughs> oh God. All right. Um so it it uh was up in space for three weeks. And after, in just three weeks, it completed 14 or uh, 1,440 complete orbits of the, oh my gosh, the notification. Complete orbits of the Earth and uh, one fiery re-entrance of the Earth's atmosphere. (laughs) Uh, The satellite provides scientists with a wave of invaluable information and it traveled nearly 43 million miles, which is pretty wild. The construction of the satellite began, as all great scientific pursuits do, as the direct result of an international pissing contest. <laughs> on, <laughs> on December 17, 1954, Chief Soviet rocket scientist Sergei Korolev proposed a development plan to his Minister of Defense. The, page, the first page famously said, if you want rockets, let me throw this big metal birdie into space. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like... We're spending the next several episodes covering the space race, but just to make it clear, that's all this whole thing was. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. it. It was just like Khrushchev and uh, Eisenhower laying it out and measuring. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Corla's uh, plan was ignored until about six months later. They didn't really do anything with it until the United States publicly announced that they too had a big metal birdie that they would like to study. Uh, it took only four days for the Soviets then to announce their launch and many more to actually get that launch approved. <laughs> <laughs> In 1956, the Soviet government approved, uh, approved work on an Earth orbiting satellite tentatively named Object D. so serious they literally were like let's launch a d into space (laughs) yeah space wants the d is what they said space (laughs) space (laughs) wants the d 
I love that their first draft was Object D, and then like a year later, and like thousands of dollars and and calculations and study, and they were like, you know what, Satellite One is fine. Satellite, <laughs> one of the great literary cultures of the world. So it truly funny. does. I mean, like you're calling it a birdie, but you're right. It, it like truly looks like a shuttlecock, basically. Right, it looks like, like a shuttlecock. The netting around it. Yeah, yeah, it's like a it's a big sphere with like four antenna coming off the side, and yeah. that's it. If you just draped like some shit around the four legs, it would fully be it, a shuttle. It, yeah, it looks like a birdie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Object D was designed to study the density of the atmosphere and its composition, the solar wind, magnetic fields, and cosmic ray. Uh, that all takes a lot of equipment to study. Uh, and thus, Object D was uh, insanely heavy. It was uh, huge. <laughs> uh, the production of Object D proved too hefty for the Soviets' first launch. Uh, cannot expect them to launch a D that big on their Virgin run. Yep. Sorry, I wrote it. I, I mean, we I were all it. we were all working towards a similar goal. You can't start that big. You got to start small. <laughs> <laughs> so the, but the, so they made this huge satellite trying to make like a good one and they're like shit uh we're gonna lose this race because we're trying to make a good one so i think a lot of people have this misconception that uh the most attractive thing in the, like that um space wants just yeah the biggest satellite you could possibly give it but oh I yeah the atmosphere is really a size true. queen in, in, reality, in reality, I think a lot of space just wants a moderately sized satellite that would be comfortable for everyone involved. Uh, it's easy to launch into space. Yeah. You know, you, nobody has to be afraid. Yeah. <laughs> sort of a generous satellite also. Right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah giving yeah, yeah. a thoughtful satellite. You don't want, <laughs> you know. A giving want a satellite, satellite that eats ass is basically what. Yeah, that's all we're looking for. But, you know, like people, all these people, all these countries are looking for. Oh, who has the biggest satellite? Sometimes the biggest satellite is not. You know, there is a limit on how big a satellite can be before it's just not comfortable. <laughs> right until you can't literally can't get a rocket big enough to launch it. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so fearing the United States would get their D into atmosphere first. Uh, the design of Object D was abandoned for a smaller, a smaller one, lighter, uh, more gentle. Uh, they they threw out the high, heavy scientific equipment and they replaced it with a simple radio transmitter. They called it Object PS. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, as no Object PS, as they go, it was only two hundred twenty pounds, so they really cut it down, really slimmed, uh, slimmed down some. <laughs> some weight off of it uh while 220 pounds was light compared to the d object ps still needed to be hurled at great force to break through the earth's atmosphere so research on a giant slingshot began uh i'm, <laughs> I'm kidding <laughs> i'm kidding they uh they made a rocket uh, that's, that's far more boring than the slingshot option. I know. Well, they actually they adapt they adapted a rocket. So the rocket was initially designed as an intercontinental ballistic missile. Uh, the rocket was designed to blow up countries, but uh, it uh, the that ro- particular rocket kept blowing up when it left the dang atmosphere. Uh, a trait that is inconvenient for warfare, but just fine for launching satellites. So the R 7 rocket was discharged from its military service and sent back to Sergei Korolev for scientific purposes. Much like a German Shepherd that didn't make it in the police academy becomes a house pet. 
uh, who has <laughs> undeniably seen some shit. <laughs> For some reason, I did not make the connection. I thought you were talking about the Police Academy movies. Oh, no. Yeah. Is the, the dog Police Academy? That's the same, right? <laughs> when I was a teenager, the house next door, a cop lived in it. And he had a police dog that lived in the house. Yeah. And eventually, I am confident in saying that the dog only sniffed for bombs and not drugs. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I was unsure for a time. Right, yeah. <laughs> you had to keep all your, uh, all your bombs in a carefully sealed container. Exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I never touched. I'm straight edge, but I make a lot of bombs. <laughs> <laughs> uh that uh that good boy rocket did his job however and the sputnik rocket was launched october 4th 1957 20 seconds after an admittedly bumpy liftoff uh, scientists could hear the faint beep 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 of the first satellite in space the american government famous for losing well were unimpressed uh <laughs> <saying> <laughs> It did not come as a surprise. Uh, it didn't come as a surprise, mostly because they had uh, spy planes flying over the Soviet Union at all times. Uh, <laughs> it did not come. The world rang in the space age and cheered the progress of mankind. Sputnik 1 seemed to do what the Soviets had intended, pronouncing to the world that the USSR was not fucking around. <laughs> The American people were baffled to be so suddenly and loudly put in second place behind communist USSR of all nations. President Eisenhower, when asked about the security concerns regarding the Soviet uh, satellite, said, meh. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. He said, now, so far as the satellite itself is concerned, that does not raise my apprehension, apprehensions, not one iota. Uh, he wasn't, he said it was mostly like a scientific pursuit. He wasn't worried about it uh, as a mili military grade situation. Yeah. Uh, Which, I mean, fair, he was correct. Yeah. I mean, that's, was, what, that's what he said publicly. It, wasn't, it was barely a scientific pursuit. Right, they <laughs> launched a radio into space. They didn't even yeah. get like, it was too heavy to do, to do anything else. So uh, he he wasn't too worried about it from a military grade perspective. He's like, did you see the rocket? It blew up as soon as it hit the atmosphere. Uh, he did encourage the launch of American Project Vanguard, which they called a civilian satellite program. Shockingly, it failed miserably uh, in great public fashion. <laughs> um, <That's> on, a... <laughs> their first launch uh, failed on television screens all across the United States. <laughs> it was very clear that the United States was behind. I think that's so funny that he's like, let the people try, you know, give them a stomp rocket. Like, I think that's so funny. We don't have NASA yet, so let's try Craig. Yeah, Maybe Craig just, can like, do it. They're like, can any of you guys handle this? <laughs> like, do you mind? We're busy. Uh, <laughs> so, but Project Vanguard did not necessarily work out. Uh and the United States was proved that they were even further behind when on November 3rd, 1957, Sputnik 2, also creative, was launched, uh, was launched uh, the second USSR satellite uh, containing the first dog in space. Uh, the chosen dog was a common stray named Laika, not at all a trained astronaut that they claimed her to be. 
Uh, (laughs) I'm amazed they even got away with that one. They just ripped a dog off the street, off uh, the streets and strapped her in a suit, took some pictures and shot her into space, which is some sociopathic shit. Uh, Laika was heralded as a hero. She was the first animal in space. Uh, USSR scientists claimed that she died on day six of the orbit uh, after she inevitably ran out of oxygen. Uh, oxygen. Uh, they did not have the science to re-enter the atmosphere. She was never coming back alive. <laughs> like they, it was never. But they were like, no, she died softly when she suffocated. In truth, uh, Laika died almost immediately from overheating. <laughs> they. It had, oh. it, like almost immediately. The Soviets did not release that particular nugget of information until 2002. <laughs> yep, that, yep for mean, about, about 50 like, years. They were like, no, she did it. She spent six heavenly days in space. She landed on a nice farm upstate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much yeah, like yeah. Sputnik, like, there was no goal or real scientific achievement to doing this. They just... Nope. They needed a headline. Yeah. They wanted to be like, we could do this and you can't. And yeah. it didn't matter. <laughs> well, they had all this research that they've been doing for Object D, which is ironically the most scientific of all the satellites released at the beginning. But uh, <laughs> they were they were worried that the United States would get their satellite out b- between the first and the second satellite. So they basically just retooled um, Sputnik 1 and strapped a dog to it. That was like the whole the whole process, um, which is pretty uh, nightmarish. Yeah. But uh, despite President Eisenhower's initial uh, laissez-faire attitude, uh, Sputnik wreaked havoc upon the Americans' public view of their country. Suddenly, the state's global dominance felt flimsy and false. A technological gap between the states and the and the Soviets surely meant devastation. Um, in reality, the, the gap between the United States technology and the Soviet technology was only about 20%, and that amounted mostly to, like, rocket thrust. Like, it had nothing to do with the actual tools in space. They just couldn't right. make a gun quite strong enough to get it up there. <laughs> um, As it wh- were. Which is what a rocket is, right? It's just a gun. Yeah. It's just yeah. a big gun. I know science. <laughs> gun. You know, yeah, uh, basically, it's a rocket is a gun pointed at the sky. It's the original Hamilton the musical. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, the people of the United States were absolutely losing their minds. They were like, how could the Russians be ahead of us? We're going to die in a fiery explosion. Um, When in reality, I mean, the biggest thing is like the state, the Soviet Union maybe could have thrown a big ping pong ball at us. I mean, to be um, fair, that's been our vibe for most of our history. Yeah, freak out uh, too soon. Uh, well, no, uh, not so. Uh, recently, we freaked out too late. Too yeah. late. No freak on our current president. He's uh, <laughs> he's got all chill somehow. Uh, <laughs> I, that's the first time i've ever heard anyone describe him that way i uh, yeah well when it comes to the important shit you know he yeah. isn't really uh an itchy trigger finger when it comes to the mental or the uh, physical health of his people okay uh <laughs> but uh because of the people's reaction 
to uh, the Soviet launch of, of Sputnik, the Eisenhower started to respond. Uh, so it wasn't long before the United States launched the Advanced Research Projects Agency and NASA, the increased government spending on scientific research and education. And eventually in 1960, the presidential campaign was completely dominated by the discussion of closing the missile gap, pursuing the threat of the Soviets with resourcefulness and vigor. But uh, in Jan on January 31st, 1958, the United States did launch their first satellite into orbit, dubbed Explorer 1, or as it was better known as Suck a Big Dick Commies, comma, the satellite. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was spray painted on the side by Kennedy yeah, yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah, with a skull on one side. <laughs> And that's uh, that's essentially like from from Sputnik to explore the launch of the space race. Yeah. Perfect, Rachel. Thank you. Of course, thank you. Um, uh, so I guess Brian has the the alternate this week because I definitely don't. I do. Um, sorry, the cat is looking like she's going to make her move. Um, I've been dodging the cat this whole time. I had two <laughs> computer screens she couldn't sleep on. She I'm in furious. the back office. The cat is in the main main apartment. I'm segregated <laughs> from the cat. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the official story um, is that Sputnik, you know, burned up on re-entry in January of 1958. What actually happened is that there was still like large chunks of it and uh one of them hit a young phd candidate by the name of vincent diesel in the head just as he was speaking of paul walker <laughs> yeah i noticed that earlier just as he was getting in his his transporter that he just invented uh oh. so what there did, was some what, does this like is this a teleporter is this a car is it just yeah, a, no, uh, more like like a teleporter situation? It's a wagon. Okay. It's more. <laughs> yeah, it's no, mostly it's, a wagon. It's a pony. It could be described as a mule. Transporter. <laughs> transporter is a very vague term. Technically, my legs are transporters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like an office wheelie chair. Was it an office chair? Yeah. <laughs> but yes, a car would have been very. Chair. I feel like for some reason, Vincent Diesel getting into like I don't know uh, a sports car. Seems plausible to me. So. <laughs> true, true. I did forget about Fast and the Furious, honestly, when I was writing this. You were talking about Vin Diesel, yeah. and you forgot about Fast and the Furious. Well, you'll see what I was... You'll see. Um, the Chronicles of Riddick-based... You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Riddick fan myself. Yeah. Uh, Pitch Black, uh, the other one. Chronicles of Riddick, which I just mentioned. The movie where on set he taught Judy Dench how to play D and I don't know what movie that was, but I think that's a true story. Yes. No, that's Chronicles that. of Riddick. Oh, that is Chronicles yep. of Riddick. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so the resulting mix of Sputnik shrapnel and Vincent Diesel uh, produced from one transporter a sort of combination metal man, uh, and in the other transporter just a oh. weird fleshy ball with antenna. Okay, cool. so it's going to be Iron Giant Groot, maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we sort of forget about the flesh ball. The oh, resulting no. explosion. How do you forget about a giant fleshy ball? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, yeah, the ball does have adventures uh, of its own. Yeah. Um, it goes up against uh, Jason Statham and Idris Elba. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> of course, in uh, Hobbs and Ball. Uh, that's Helen that's why Mirren. his name got shortened to 
Ben Diesel and just <laughs> becomes the Ben we know him as today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ben is, of course, 75 years old. <laughs> yep. Um, the, resulting, the resulting explosion uh, blew the metal man to the small town of Rockwell, Maine, where he landed in the scrap heap owned by Harry Connick Jr., uh, who's an actor and vampire. Uh, that's why he's still with us today. Uh, and he was found by, at the time, a young child, uh, Eli Marenthal, which uh, he, he stayed the same age because of Monkey's Paw Wish gone, gone Wrong. I'm trying to come up with reasons why all these people stayed the same age now because I forgot about the time difference. <laughs> uh, Eli Marenthal, by the way, the son of Jennifer Aniston, uh, mm-hmm. who there were a bunch of like, it was like the end of the prestige. There were a bunch of Jennifer Anistons. Um, they're all there now, uh, doing fair, a small theater production of Death of a Salesman. To be fair to your timeline problems, in the film The Iron Giant, Sputnik is in the air. It's still orbiting Earth during the time frame of that film and has not re-entered the atmosphere yet. Well, that's just a film, though. That's okay. just that's I just see. a movie. Yeah, right. Sorry. That's not real <laughs> life. Right. <laughs> Took some liberties with the story. Man, the rest of this is literally just the plot of The Iron Giant, I realize, with some adaptations. Ah, <laughs> um, Superman, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, Eli befriends the half-man, We're all going to cry on creation. the podcast. They read comic books, uh, teaches them how to play games. Um, they play hide-and-seek. They see a deer killed. They're pursued by Christopher McDonald and the dad from Frasier, who are both Highlanders. Uh <laughs> <laughs> that was Jen, who has not seen yep. the Iron Giant, so this is all fresh to her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is not an accurate summation of the Iron Giant in many ways. Also, I mean, but watch in many the Iron other Giant. Ways, it's a good it movie. Is... Tell Jen to watch the Iron Giant. It, oh, no, listener, I kind of want to watch it tonight. Uh, listener, if you have not seen the Iron Giant, turn off this podcast yes, and watch spoiler it. Spoiler alert. Come back. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh, the movie that makes me cry more than any other. <laughs> yeah. The movie that affected me so much, I even cried writing this a little bit. <laughs> wow. The first tear-stained alternate history. No, not the first. Brian cries during every alternate history. He I, not going to lie, am a pushover. So, yeah, I mean, you know how it goes. Uh, the Vin Diesel robot gets a toy gun pointed at him, which activates its weapon system, uh, which is not from the Sputnik part, but from the Vin Diesel part. Um, he leaves thinking himself a threat. He's pursued by Harry Connick Jr. and Eli. He's found there's a whole discussion about how you, you're not a weapon. You are who you choose to be. Military attack. He thinks Eli's dead. Uh, mm-hmm. Not dead. Uh, Eli Marenthal would later go on to star in American Pie 2. Okay. Uh, not star. He played Stifler's brother. Um, Wait, the kid from that. the Iron Giant was Stifler's brother in American Pie 2? Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. I'm just trying to find something more current. He's had quite There's a career. Not. Yeah. Iron um, Giant and Stifler's brother. <laughs> One of the most Stifler's, touching roles in recent film history. Stifler's second most famous relative. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of recall I was not expecting you to have for the American Pie series. <laughs> so Vin Dieselbot goes on a rampage. He's calmed when Eli and Harry Connick Jr. appear. Uh, but then a rogue Christopher McDonald orders a nuclear missile strike. Eli explains to Vin Diesel that the town is going to die. And Vin Dieselbot sacrifices himself to save the town, remembering Eli's words that you are who you choose to be. Eli keeps a screw from the resulting explosion and sees one day, sees it moving and remembers the 
uh, Vin Diesel's ability to re- reassemble Truly, himself. Listener, if you have not seen The Iron Giant, I hope you paused when I told you to pause and watch that movie. Please. Before listening to the Wikipedia plot summary of the film The Iron Giant. On this- yeah. I resent the implication that I don't remember that much of The Iron Giant. Uh, sure, Hogarth Hughes watches 50s horror movies and then the hand comes in and has to hide from Jennifer Aniston. We all remember. <laughs> Vin Diesel... Uh, reassembles himself uh, and his first words upon a family. Wait, what? I'm hoping his first word is family. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. I should have thought of that. Um, (laughs) His first words upon finishing his reconstruction are, I have a great idea for a script. Okay. Uh, And that movie, uh, we all know it today. Uh, That's right. Uh, uh, Triple X, the return of Xander Cage. So there we go. There's what I came up with. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and what brad bird also probably came up with i mean brad bird more so than you <laughs> yeah at this point uh, <laughs> sorry i was also fighting off one of the cats <laughs> that so, makes it an even more epic story <laughs> while it's being told yep <laughs> battling the will of a cat she is now fighting one of the other cats for no reason so now is the point in our podcast where we say that if you uh, would like to leave a review of this podcast. You're at home. You're not doing shit. You're staring out your window, sucking your thumb, sitting on your ass. You're not doing anything. Scared. And not never the other way around. Do you want a momentary respite from the constant anxiety that coronavirus is giving you? Write a review on iTunes. <laughs> For 30 seconds, you won't think about the coronavirus. Write a review, a five-star review of this podcast saying, I ain't thinking about the coronavirus, and that's the whole review. <laughs> Go do that. Perfect. Because it helps us a lot. <laughs> we also have a Patreon, but, you know, yeah. if you do that, that's even more appreciated. The review's free, though, and you ain't doing yes. anything anyway. <laughs> yeah. You can also uh, ask us a question or leave us a comment at revisionistpodcast.com or find us on Twitter or Instagram. Just search Revisionist Podcast. Rachel, before we move on, you, uh, you host a very fun podcast for people who are into uh, Magic the Gathering. I do. I am a co-host on the podcast, uh, The Commander's Fear. It's me and uh, another great comedian, Dan Sheehan. Um, and we talk about uh, a lot of the new spoilers coming out is, is our, our next episode. But we just tell we just talk about magic in a funny way. Uh, if you don't listen, if you don't n- know anything about Magic the Gathering, not a great podcast for you. Not a good option. Um, this one's a better option. <laughs> I like that you're upfront about the the limitations of uh, yeah. It's great. It's a lot of fun. If you like magic, you'll have a great time. If you don't, you'll be confused. Yeah. <laughs> you're also involved with uh, Sarah's Angels, right? Yes. So I do a. It's going to be twice monthly now. Stream with a group of uh, three other women, and we just stream magic and we talk and make jokes and with build new decks and that, and that kind of stuff. Again, if you've never played magic, perhaps not your content, but uh, it's good content, (laughs) especially if you play commander. Um, And you know what, you know what you're doing right now, listener, you're sitting at home, sucking your thumbs, sitting on your ass, buy a magic, the gathering. Come on. Magic arena. Learn that shit. And then you can listen to the podcast. You can do Sarah's You can do all of it. That's what that's what uh, that's what we ask is very high overhead. It's not it's not just a um, a YouTube review or a or an iTunes review for us. You have to learn <laughs> a very complicated game in order to just walk through the door. Um. 
I don't it's, think I've it's actually, been a lot of fun. I tried playing Magic the Gathering when I was like 11, and I was like, I don't get this, and never tried again. Well, um, I'm sure you haven't grown since then. Sure. I, I mean, in many ways, I have not. You're supposed to get that first hit with the Pokemon card game that came sure. out when I was about 10 or 11. Yeah. And uh, then you move on from there to the more complicated, the more complicated yeah. stuff. And I mean, people still play Pokemon. People still play Yu-Gi-Oh. I found out recently that there was a, at a game store by me that there was a Beyblade tournament. No idea. Uh, super fun. But uh, yeah, they, they were like, yeah, we had like 30, 40 people in here coming and battling tops. I'm like, that fucking rules, man. <laughs> I don't know Beyblade. But, uh, uh, it's an anime about spinning battle tops that contain the souls of monsters. Battling tops definitely made me think like some kind of porn wrestling match. Ooh, <laughs> kind of, but with beasts involved, and also yeah. and also like no, schoolyard games. Yeah, no pornographic aspect whatsoever. Also yeah. that. I mean, as as little as you can get in an anime. <laughs> so an eight True. out of it's, ten. It's like insect yeah. parts in it's, like yeah. fucking peanut butter. Yeah, like, there's under even inch- even like the most PG animes contain super big tits. Like yeah. it's just that's <laughs> women often scantily clad, large breasts, age unclear. <laughs> Body of a twenty-five-year-old, voice of an eleven-year-old. It's confusing yeah. for everyone. That's definitely confusing is a is a way to describe it. <laughs> Zach, the Little Women podcast, the finale right. has been delayed. Postponed a little bit because of um, sometimes to record a podcast where you have multiple parts, you have to be in the same room as people. Yeah. So that's become a problem recently. Um, but it is coming out soon, the finale. Uh, the, it, it's at every episode up until then, if you haven't listened Little Women, a modern audio drama. It's a uh, it's a podcast written and directed and produced by former guest on the show and current girlfriend of mine, Shannon Camp. I play the Lawrence Theodore Lawrence part, Laurie, who was Christian Bale and or Timothy Chalamet, depending on your preference of movie adaptation. Yeah, uh, so give it a listen wherever. You do the podcasts. And I, I got to say, you do feel like the exact middle of the spectrum between Bale and Chalamet. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Right. Uh, not as good. Like, they have their very specific thing that's, like, very good for Christian Bale, very good for Timothy Chalamet. Don't quite go so well together, <laughs> no, but I, I'm I in that middle. That. <laughs> um, yeah, you're either a battling top, like Batman, <laughs> or, you know, a little... Timothy Chalamet, the ultimate twink. (laughs) That's my favorite superhero. Yeah, Yeah. I was going to say, that's my favorite anime. That too. Anime knows how to do it. (laughs) As for me, listeners, I'll plug again, like last time, donate blood if you can, uh, because there's a major shortage right now. A lot of charities. I mean, we mentioned our Patreon, which is obviously number one priority. But if you still have money after giving to us, there's a lot of charities that could probably use your your help right now. And um, I've heard that some of the stupid draconian restrictions against LGBTQ people giving blood have been relaxed. I'm not sure about details, but that is also like something to look into. And also Westward, the outlet I write for, is now uh, accepting members because newspaper advertising is... Terrible. 
So if you want to support local independent media, check out westward.com. But that uh, brings us to uh, judgment this episode. Here's the thing about, I don't give a fuck about Sputnik. (laughs) (laughs) There was a dumb piece of metal that someone threw into space for no reason. Um, and for that reason, although I do actually, I appreciated the, the scope and scale of the altered history of the real history, but this is a case where a, the real history remains mostly the same, regardless of the alternate and B, as I mentioned before, who gives a fuck about Sputnik? (laughs) (laughs) Unless it's that, uh, breakfast bar in Denver, which I kind of do like, I don't, uh, I don't give a fuck about, uh, Sputnik. So I'm going to go with the alternate history version where the iron giant was a real was a real thing that happened it was <laughs> it's directly a by a russian satellite that's a lot yeah. of fun mm-hmm. uh rachel thank you for being here of course thanks for having me back yeah uh zach thank you as always of course uh for everyone here at the revisionist i'm brian flynn i'm zach powers have a good time April 4th, 1818, Congress adopts the flag of the United States just in time for the annual World's Ugliest Flag Contest. April 4th, 1850, Los Angeles is incorporated. Its first mayor is an earthquake in disguise. April 4th, 1460, the University of Basel is founded in Switzerland. Its mascot, the not-fighting Irish. Okay, I got a couple. April 4th, 1147. Moscow is mentioned for the first time in the historical record when it is named as a meeting place for two princes. One has diamonds in his pockets. That's some bread now. This one said he wants to buy you rockets. Ain't in his head now. (laughs) (laughs) April 4th, 1986. The maiden voyage into space by the Challenger. uh, April 4th, 1973. Official dedicate. Let me restart.